Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Yes, and welcome to the Omega Particle. I am your gracious host, Jonathan Wiegand. And yes, still quarantine host. And we are broadcasting live from the eastern coast of these United States. The anchorman of the Federation. The guiding light in these troubled troubled times now i will say we are here we're surviving and we're going to make it through this everybody now as i hope to distract everybody from the crazy calamity that is the world right now let's cover picard episode 9 and 10 and before we do real quick i just want to say i apologize for the delay in this episode because there's a lot of craziness in my life going on right now so I didn't, couldn't in the middle of all that, do my research, write out all my notes and script, and then produce. So, I'm doing that now, and I want to say thank you for your patience, and I'm happy to announce our next big series, probably be two episodes, possibly three, just depends, is on the Borg, the big baddies of the Star Trek universe. Yes, we thought Khan was bad, but wait until the Borg come up. Now, I'm excited because this will be very fun because it goes over so many different Star Trek series, so many different captains, and every captain has a different way of dealing with the Borg. But not only that, we're going to deal with who are the Borg, where they come from, what do they stand for? Is there a hidden message behind the Borg itself? Very interesting stuff we're going through right now. I cannot wait to push this out. It will definitely be sometime next week. I'll keep you updated on Instagram. And please, if you haven't, follow me. It's at Omega Particle Podcast. I keep it updated daily and keep you in the know about what's happening here at OPP. So now we're going to go straight into Picard for Episode 9 and Episode 10. So first off, I had no idea how divisive this season finale was until I started reading comments on Facebook and other reviews and wow, very different takes than I personally have. Um, Again, maybe this is just the state of the Trek right now and this is what I'm seeing I kind of don't like how we're responding. It seems like there's five times more negative reviews of Picard out there than positive. And I don't know if that's just because we're becoming like Star Wars, where we have a lot of content and it's not living up to our childhood memories and expectations and things like that. I don't know. But I will say this. Picard season one was phenomenal. Yes, it had its shortcomings. Every show does. But it was a phenomenal excursion into Trek. I I mean, you can argue the little facts here and there, but it's not a rehash of TNG. I don't care what anybody says. 
It is a great character arc and deep dive into John McBucard. And we get a great story and plot lines out of it that are not cheap and are not easily written. And so you have to applaud the auditor auditors. You have to applaud the writers for that. Now, again, it's not perfect, and we'll cover some of those imperfections throughout this review, but I just want to say that at the top. I'm just shocked at how many people didn't like the the finale. And everybody I talked to, all my Trek friends seem to have loved it. That's just my two cents on the state of Trek. But if you would like some cheerful news, I don't know if you follow Sir Patrick Stewart on social media, but he's reading a Shakespearean sonnet every day throughout this whole quarantine lockdown. So I would definitely check it out. It's a great little um, way to start your day. And that's what I've kind of been doing the past few days. So that out if you want some cheerful news. But let's get into the main meat of episode nine and episode 10. So the name of the episode is, and forgive me because I would never formally studied Latin, is et in Arcadia ego. Ego. No, ego, ego. I don't know. (laughs) We're keeping that in post. I don't care what Luna says. Luna's my assistant. We're keeping that in. So it's actually Latin, but it means death in paradise. And that is a very interesting title for what so happened on, as I like to call, Synthville, as Rafi said. Again, we're I'm going to do things a little bit different in this review. I'm not going to do hash out the actions of the whole episode play by play. I'm actually going to do just character deep dives of the episode. What did I think? the themes of the episode, etc. At the beginning, some people say that it was very TNG-like. And I disagree just because it was an M-class planet, just because it was a tricky villain and all the problems are solved at the end doesn't mean it's a Next Generation episode. I don't know where people are getting that. <laughs> so I personally loved what they did. Some of the decisions, especially with Picard, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, Please go see episode nine and 10 before you continue listening. Who listens to review episodes? Hasn't watched the episode. I don't know. So we're going to start off with Picard. And I liked him throughout this whole season showing more just emotion, you know, because in TNG in the, in the show and in the movies, we really didn't get a wide range. We got a little bit, especially on his anger side. And maybe after he, in I think it's season four of TNG where he comes back home to the um, Picard winery is that you see a little inch of the glimpse of who he is, but not a lot. And I love this show because you really kind of peel back the onion and peel back the layers and see what makes up his character and his emotional range as a, as a person. I love that they started off the episode with Picard telling the crew of La Serena that, hey, I've got this terminal illness and I don't want to be treated any different and just let you know in case it there's anything comes up in the future. And now I love that they gave Picard this. I shouldn't say that. That's terrible. I love how they humanize him even more with, hey, you have this terminal disease. And we learned that at the beginning of the season and it kind of stays dormant until the very end of the season. And I don't like how they wrapped it perfectly up. And we'll get to that. You know what I'm talking about, the 
yeah, the Gollum thing. I personally didn't like how they tied it in a bow with this whole disease. Now he doesn't have it anymore. I thought they were just going to keep that around for the entire series, that it would poke its head up every now and then to remind you, hey, he's not going to live forever. And hey, this is going to be an ongoing thing. Kind of like they did with Seven of Nine and her Borg transplants all throughout Voyager. But they just know. They're like, no, we're going to wrap it in a bow. And he doesn't have it anymore. So I was kind of surprised by that. And I was like, I don't know if it was a cheap trick. See, I didn't think everything with the writers did was perfect. I just, like I was saying earlier, that I, I think this decision was a little hasty. And I, I just didn't like it, honestly. Um, if you disagree with me, please reach out. Let me know. And also... Speaking of just like frailty and shortcomings, that Picard's speech at when he's trying to convince the synth and and he's trying to say, hey, we have the Federation will listen to you. The Federation will protect you. The Federation will back you. And they don't believe him. They don't buy him. And I don't know if that's because and we'll cover this later because they're baby like chickens. (laughs) And they don't have an opinion for themselves or it's because Alton came up and just kind of trashed his theory. So I think it's it's more Alton just came up and trashed his theory. And um, that doesn't usually happen to Picard too much in Star Trek. He's pretty diplomatic when he needs to be and he gets usually gets the job done. So I was surprised that that big speech didn't work. And even Soji sided with the sin. And I mean, the writers really could have had an easy out with all of this. They could have done a, okay, the synths believe him. They're not going to create the beacon. They're not going to call all of those. And everything could have been wrapped up fine. It could have been really easy for the writers to do that. However, they show another layer of frailty and how, hey, Picard fails sometimes. He's not perfect. So I applaud them on taking that that risk. That was good. And again, staying on this emotional highway of Picard <laughs> is that we see more development too on his range of emotions. And we kind of start to see that come to fruition in episode eight, when he's sitting at the table with Soji talking about data and how he loved data and he would want data to remember him in a certain way. And we finally see that come into bloom. Now when he says he loves Rafi and that he's proud of Elnor and even the seven of nine, when he's walking out of the cube, he's like, that's your job to save the world now. So he realizes his time's, coming to an end he's no longer has to be the great Picard he can sit back let other people run the show and also express his emotions to the people that are important to him so I thought that was great capped off the season we really don't have to explore that maybe next season I'm sure we will in some way shape or form maybe a romantic line or something like that for now I'm very happy with how they've developed and and grown Picard is a character. Also, he even says to Riker that he thanks him for all that he's done for him in, in the past and for showing up and supporting him. And And I love that we got to see Pizza Chef Riker <laughs> mention that one more time. And that was my whole part, favorite part of the episode, to be honest with you, is when Riker shows up and the Federation show up. So the beginning in episode nine, we see like this failure and frailty with the synth and he can't convince Alton and he can't convince them to kind of trust in the Federation. But at the end of episode 10, we see Picard finally reach Soji and he becomes the old diplomatic Picard. 
and he puts on the charm and he puts his trust in her and she shuts down the beacon. So in a way, it's great to see failure and success. Okay, you know what we're about to talk about. Hold on to your hats. Oh, goodness. Picard is dead. Technically. I am befumbled that they did this, number one. And they put a little Easter egg in there. Alton was working on the Gollum android project. I don't even know what to call it. (laughs) And it says, transfer complete. And then Alton discovers that the Romulan didn't kill his daughter. So then he runs away. So it was very quick. But if you saw that, I was like, okay, that's what they're going to do. They're going to put Picard in this in this android body when he dies, if he dies. And it turned out he did. I don't know if they did this, and by they I mean the writers, did this to kind of wrap up and kind of excuse the corner that they painted themselves into with this terminal disease because they couldn't just mention that in like the first episode or two and then never bring it up again. So I don't know if they're just bailing themselves out or if they were trying to create more emotional connection with Soji. I don't know what the the purpose was or to just be like, he's unstoppable now. He's an android. But I will say, I don't know. I think it was kind of a douche move, to be honest with you. Because first off, there's a whole ethical implication with this about somebody dying and then bringing them back. So there's, we're not going to get into that. That's an altered carbon Netflix thing. However, number one, they don't tell him how many years he has left. Number two, they don't give him any abilities. And number three, they don't let him decide how many years he has left. Like, I'm sure if somebody, if I woke up one day and someone's like, well, you're an android now and you have the ability to live forever. I'd be like, oh, okay. Well, that's something I would like to decide when that ending should be. And if I should have been put in this state. So it just opens a can of worm Pandora's box. It lends the question, is Picard still Picard? Like he has all his memories and his and his consciousness, I guess. But is he still Picard? I don't know. But it was a cool fact to find out that he was 94. And man, that's really old. <laughs> I didn't know he was that old. But this, the timeline seems to check out from, from my math. So, I mean, it's I don't expect the Picard series to run for like five seasons, but... Maybe that's why they're giving themselves an out again to kind of bail out in the future. It was interesting. I never expected Picard to now be an android or be a synth. But also one of the most favorite aspects of the whole episode was when Picard got to talk with the consciousness of Data. And I thought I would never say that sentence in my life. But talking with Data in this quote-unquote simulation, and we're about to play a clip, was definitely heartfelt and something that kind of great resolution to the whole season about him and his relationship with Data and how he's always wanted to communicate with Data again. Let's play that clip between Data and Captain Picard. Well, whatever this is, it's wonderful to see you, Data. To see your strange beautiful face. Among the many, many things that I regretted after your death was that I never told you that you loved me. Knowing that you loved me forms a small but statistically significant part of my memories. 
I hope that brings you some comfort, sir. It does. Thank you, Data. Yeah. Wow. That was a wow, wow, wow. That was a great finale and a great goodbye that they never got to have a nemesis. So I'm happy that the writers gave Picard that. However, Brent Spiner has come out and said, I will never play Data again, but I'll be open to Alton. Again, makes me think, hey, Alton may be lore. Could be, might be, want to see. However, it was a really great wrap-up, great emotional connection, and great fan servicing, if you ask me. So hats off to the writers for that. Also, I know I've been talking about Picard for a majority of this review, and well, as I should, because it's his show. <laughs> I love seeing the updated Picard maneuver that they tried with the magical handheld device and seeing, I don't know, I just thought it was cool to be, because... I could be like, oh, yeah, it's a Picard remover, Stargazer, and really just nerd out. All right, we can finally move on from Picard and his conversation with Data and his entire death and rebirth. So crazy to even say that on a Star Trek episode. Either way, now we're going to be doing a little hoppity skip upon all the different characters and, and my review of what and how they ended up. First off, dealing with Seven of Nine and Elnor, I'm sure a lot of you have heard, and I think I mentioned on my last episode, is that they are giving Seven of Nine her own spinoff. It's everything but confirmed. A lot of major sources are coming out and saying, hey, this is a real thing. So that's great. I'm excited that we're finally getting a Seven of Nine episodic arc, um, where that'll be and and how she deals. I assume it's going to be right after this finale and, and her mission with the XBs and even maybe with the Borg. I did love the one scene near episode 10 when they were going over when she was drinking and being remorseful of killing Narissa. And that was kind of good for me to see because when we saw Seven take out Jay in basically revenge killing, I really liked how the writers kind of showed, hey, this is still Annika. This is still Seven from Voyager. She's not this ruthless bounty hunter ranger now like she still has a moral compass she still has some like human compassion in her seeing that and kind of gave me hope for the character and they didn't just box her into typical cowboy role so as we see seven and elnor on the lost serena at the end of episode 10 it's really quick easter egg i don't know if all the voyager fans out there saw it, but she was playing Calto with Rafi. Yes, Calto, the great logic game that Vulcans play and that Commander Tuvok loved to play on Voyager. So I like the little Voyager nod. I like that they kind of just didn't box her in into that one like ruthless killer that no, she still has compassion. She still has emotion and she doesn't like just mercilessly killing people. So now we're going to move on to the rest of the crew of the La Serena and Agnes finally see chemistry building and relationship building that have gone on, especially in episode seven, episode eight, between the crew. And now we come to fr- like full fruition when they're planning around the table again. And because in episode seven and episode eight, you could definitely tell they were building that emotional role. They were building that emotion connection between all of them. And you can finally see, hey, it's paid off and they did it the right way. 
especially with them when they were all at the beginning of episode nine, sitting around the table, debating with Picard about plans and what to do and where to go. It just felt like a, I don't know, it wasn't a TNG episode, but, and this is a little where a lot of people think that it was, but it was just, that's what you would do with a crew. You would come up with a plan and you can definitely tell that each character brings their own specific talents and opinions. And you kind of see that now because now we have the backstory. So it's not completely erroneous um, to expect us to buy into all this emotional connection and chemistry between the crew. Also, I don't know if the writers did this on purpose or not, but are they trying to pull a Coulson on us from the very first Avengers movie? Because at the very beginning of episode nine, Picard's like, I have a terminal brain and illness and I'm probably not going to survive, but don't treat me that way. And then all of a sudden, crew is like super best friends. Now, they always were kind of chummy. And we, like I said, in episode seven, episode eight, they built that emotional connection. But it just seemed to fast forward now because of this Picard illness. And they just banded together around him. So I don't know if they're trying to pull a Coulson card, but it seemed to work. And that's okay. Like that, that's a very logical reason for a group of people to come together even more. Also, love seeing the crew work with Narek in episode 10. Still like, I mean, that is a pure Star Trek move where your foe is now your friend because you have a bigger enemy to tackle and get rid of. So I like the full circle and aspect of it. And again, kind of fleshes out the Romulans and the villains, especially Narek, that it's not just he's a bad guy because he's a bad guy. And he even sits down and tells the crew his whole Romulan end of the world like apocalypse. And we're not just terrible and bad villains just for the sake of it, like I said before. And now the crew finally understands that and agrees with them. Like, okay, we have to stop these synth from potentially destroying all of human life. So it was a great, pure Star Trek moment that I loved. Oh, and the random, like, engineering synth tool that they gave them, it kind of looks like a bop it. (laughs) Uh, I, I definitely loved that they brought that tool in because in a show that's so scientific, normally we don't get that a lot in Star Trek. Usually we don't get that a lot in Star Trek. It's more of an engineering or scientific issue. So from the rest of the crew, we'll move on to Agnes now. And I love the fact that Agnes is, again, great character development. She's come from this shy scientist into almost, as she calls herself, secret agent mode. And she's able to manipulate and get what she needs done for Picard and the crew of La Serena. So I thought it was great to see that. However, near the end of the episode, I didn't like how everyone just kind of gave her a pass for killing Bruce Maddox. It was just kind of like, everyone's all right with it? Like, they were going to take her to jail, but hey, we saved the universe. Now, okay, you're a murderer, but that was before, and we're cool now, and you saved Picard. And so, I I mean, it was almost this dark cloud all season long above her and over her about this murder. And then now we just forget it. I don't know. Maybe that's just an easy way to be like, hey, she's kind of made up for it, I guess. And she's paid her dues by saving the universe. To me, I just thought it was easily written off. But still great character development. 
And I just thought it was really interesting that in episode nine, Agnes and Sutra, and Sutra is the gold girl that looks like Sochi. When Sutra and Agnes do a Vulcan mind meld, and Sutra gets to see what Agnes was shown about the end of the world and the Romulans, and is that Agnes didn't get anything in return. Now, as I know from Vulcan mind melds, is that normally there's a transference. It's not just all one way. Is that Agnes would then have all of the emotions, have all of the memories, and have pretty much all of Sutra inside of her, and vice versa, a.k.a. Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. If we knew Sutra was going to be this, and basically the destroyer, why didn't Agnes get any of that? And this may be the most nerdy Trek issue I have, <laughs> is that the Vulcan mind meld, um, uh, Agnes didn't get anything from that, so that wasn't right. So, <laughs> and I and I feel incredibly nerdy for bringing that up, but it's a good point to me. Is like, shouldn't like Agnes have known Sutra would have pulled something like this, and she was maybe she was already thinking about pulling something like this, or that she. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. I could go on this. I can rant and rave, and I don't want to waste everyone's time. <laughs> So bringing up Sutra, we'll kind of wrap it up, almost start wrapping it up here and talk about Sutra and Soji and typical Sutra, typical Trek villain. She starts off super nice, but kind of low key, like unsure that she might be a little crazy and a little unpredictable. And it turns out she was, she was going to be the big baddie of this season finale. I mean, she even teams up with Narek to set him free. She kills her android sister and I guess she wants to fulfill the prophecy of being the destroyer. Like, that's her main goal is let's bring in these octopus alien synthetic life from the other dimension. I mean, she assumed power, went after power. And again, see, this is why the Agnes thing bothers me. Because if Agnes knew that and who who Sutra was, then maybe all of this could have been avoided. But I love seeing Soji develop more and start off from believing she was human all the way to, oh no, like I'm an android. These are my people. I'm going to stand with them. The one thing I didn't like was that Soji immediately starting to receive all these different memories and all this different life that she used to live almost instantaneously. Um, I thought it would have been better, especially if they maybe fleshed that out more, but I understand that wasn't the main purpose of the show and of the finale. And so to devote a ton of time to it may have not have been smart. So I understand why they did that. And it was still cool. Like I had no issue or qualms with it because of the time restraints, but it was, um, it seemed like really like fast. Like, uh, she remembers everybody, everything. Cool. All right, move on. And the one thing with Sutra and Soji and the people of Synthville, as I like to call it is, and I mentioned this earlier is that they're pretty much baby chickens. They really have no backbone. And you really don't see any quarrels or debates within the community. Like you see Sutra on episode nine say, the Federation's bad. And Alton's like, yes, they are bad. And the, and all the baby's chickens say, they're bad. And then in episode 10, you have Soji and Picard. And so she says, they, uh, the aliens are bad. Romulans are bad. Destroy the beacon. And then all the baby chickens go, the aliens and beacon are bad. So... <laughs> It just didn't seem like there was any, like, maybe that's just because they've never 
had to deal with that. And they've probably never really had like a real leadership position. I don't really see we're getting down to the depths of irrelevancy and I don't know how they govern in Synthville, but it seems to me that the people there are just very gullible and just believe whoever has the mic. So I'm glad our heroes had the mic at the end of the show. Moving on to the ending as we wrap things up here, the main artificial life from another dimension or other side of the universe almost looked like an octopus, but I guess they did that to build suspense like, they're almost here out of the portal. I, I I mean, it'd been a lot better instead of just like this random ship just come through. So I guess they bought them time with the tentacles and all that. So his smart writing is like playful writing. However, the rest of the finale really did tie up a lot of loose ends. We see, like I said before, his classic track, how science overcame this fear and superstition and then enemies bond for the greater good. And then the Federation comes at the very last second and saves the day. And that's what I love about the show and about the character and the writers. And I really hope that season two is just as good or if not better than season one. Like I said before, multiple times in this episode, there's some division in the camp, but if you enjoy it and you like it, that's all that matters. And don't let anybody else shame you for liking something. And it's okay to like enterprise. Just the show Enterprise. It's okay. <laughs> um, I had somebody tell me, like, you kind of trash Enterprise in the first episode. I'm like, well, that was a joke. But it's a, as long as you like it, that's that's all that matters. <laughs> Thank you for this journey with Picard. I know we didn't cover the first, I think, four episodes. But I'm getting really slow, and we're stuck in quarantine. I might just go back and review them for the kick of it, but probably not. I just want to thank you for listening. And that has been... Season one of Picard. Wow, where does the time go? Picard season one's over, and now we have some time before Discovery comes out. I don't know if I'm going to do a Discovery episode review by review. We'll see, but for right now, I'm excited to delve into other subjects of track especially the Borg that are coming up. That's going to be a lot of fun. And again, I just want to say thank you for all the support and love you guys have given me over the past couple of weeks. And we've been going for about a month and a half. We started in the middle of February. So, and this is our 10th episode. So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And we'll try to keep pushing out that great, great content as fast as we can. Reach out to me on Instagram at America Particle Podcast. I'm always, usually always on every day, always posting great stuff. So um, if you disagree or, or agree with anything I said, please just let me know. And prayers and thoughts to everyone out there going through this whole pandemic. And we'll get through it and we'll come out better on the other side for it. So as always, remember, second star of the right, straight on till morning.